Yeah, sorry, I, I, I just flat out lost that one. <laughs> Anyways, like welcome puck, to the... Like a puck on Sunday, I just lost it. Anyways, welcome to the Handsome Hockey Podcast. I am Jake, sitting across from me is Evan. Hey, I'm Evan. Uh, we are recording live on a Wednesday night in Portland, Oregon, and uh, keeping tabs on this Avs Bruin game. And um, This game is making me pissy. Uh, we shall call you... Leon, not Levon. <laughs> we'll get to some pissy hockey players here in a little bit. We got a lot of, let's just say some uh, racism happened recently yeah. in hockey, which is shocking, we know. Yeah, but uh, it, it, like a lot of it all happened at once. Yeah, there was just like this like, maelstrom of of racism. Like, ho- cool your fucking jets, hockey. Yeah. Like, can, can we just, can we deal with one at a time? <laughs> please, not like three at once. I mean, it gives us a lot to talk about, but at the same time, we'd rather it didn't happen. Yeah, so, otherwise it wouldn't be so pissy. Yeah. Pissy! <laughs> Let's talk good things first, though. Recently, the PHF, that's the Premier Hockey Federation, formerly the NWHL. Artist formerly known as. Prince. The Board of Governors recently voted to inject $25 million in cash to the league over the next three years. Just straight into the aortal femoral artery. Yeah, this is, it's like, it's $25 million in heroin, like <laughs> right into the vein. More addicting, heroin or money, who knows? Uh, money for sure, yeah. Isn't that right, Jeff Bezos? <laughs> I mean, Pitbull. I mean, Jeff Bezos. I mean, Spotify. I mean. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. I. Uh, you can't. No, we can't go down that. We can't go down that rabbit hole. You're save, gonna, the, you're, save, that, save that for later. You're going to go me that. into it at some point, I know. So the league is going to allow the salary cap to double again next year to 750k per team which is massive like, yeah for women's sports that's pretty dang good that's huge they also announced that this money will go towards a number of infrastructure upgrades so better facilities better, better roads and bridges to the arenas yeah you know it's infrastructure week in the phf they're gonna build back better <laughs> somebody has to uh the but what what sort of infrastructure are we talking here? Mostly like arenas, uh, helping okay. to locker rooms, that sort of right. thing. Helping arenas support teams, yeah, support but, tournaments, support like these arenas. Like you, if you want to put on a professional hockey showcase, whatever, like you sometimes need to build locker room or you know build a penalty box or like whatever. Infrastructure is what makes these things run. And there's also going to be increased marketing. There's going to be, they're going to be reaching out for bigger sponsors and mm-hmm. hope they're hoping that this will, will this sort of cash influx will draw more and bigger sponsors mm-hmm. to the sport. There's also the hope that with more cap space, that maybe some of the stars of the PWHPA may decide to cross that divide once more yeah when they see that the phf is a more feasible lifestyle you know right you may not be sacrificing you know as much personally and professionally and you get because you get more of a living wage the boost in the cap from three hundred thousand dollars this season will result in an average salary of thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars based on a 20 player minimum roster or 30,000 for a league maximum 25 player roster. 
that's sort of not quite, but at least in the ballpark of the NWSL, which I think are they're in the 50s. That's awesome. That's a just a great change. Anytime you can go from making half what you're making to double what you're making. <laughs> right. It's it's a it's a good thing. While not having to do something else. Yeah. Like like oh I just show up next year. Oh okay. So to you know have that happen and not have to change this thing you already believe in deeply to play you know women's professional sports right now that's awesome yeah Yeah, congratulations to them bold move thank you to the people that it took to make this decision i mean that's not a small amount of money and no hell no it's like it's not like quite venture capital money but it's like a chunk of it it's still a lot yeah uh they also announced that they are going to bring two more teams into the league montreal had been announced for this year and then that was pushed back a year so montreal is supposedly coming into the league next Mm -hmm. year and then they're looking for one other city to host a team initially talked about our chicago and detroit as being the front runners for that eighth final team i mean i know what my vote is for it's actually for chicago because i Mm -hmm. don't want to be torn away from my whale by a detroit franchise Uh, i see yeah that would be cool i mean i would get to go to a phf game more readily that would be sweet yeah i i mean i would obviously love for a team to be in detroit i i think at this point I'm, I'm a whale guy even if there was a detroit team they would be like my my mistress red wings <laughs> would be also in women's hockey not women playing hockey but women in the hierarchy of hockey uh vancouver made some fucking moves yeah some and, big moves and this is we're gonna get to the actual moves in a second i don't want to undersell this Mm-mm. This is massive. We've been clamoring for other voices in the hierarchy level of hockey. Still don't have a woman general manager. We now have the first female assistant general manager since I believe 95, 96 or 96, 97. So like 15 years. And it like if hockey has a problem, it's kind of breaking barriers and then forgetting about these barriers that they broke. And now we're going to get, you know, the first one in a long time. But it's sort of like the first one in my hockey attention lifespan. So the NHL was like, Hey, we have Larry Kwong. Uh, we're not going to do any of that again for a number of years. Well, right. I mean, we had Larry Kwong come into league in 1948 and then we didn't see it again until Willie O'Ree in 1958. So breaking barriers, you're absolutely right. They, the NHL loves to break a barrier and then just be like, gosh, we didn't really do that. <laughs> understand how that happens progress happens in fits and starts but it's really cool to see you know the vancouver canucks step up and make some interesting hires here credit to the canucks organization and jim rutherford for kind of pushing the envelope here but let's not put all this credit on like men for hiring women like let's give credit to the women who were hired here Mm -hmm. rachel dory Hired to be an analytics front office role for Vancouver, had worked for the Devils and worked for, was the director of advanced performance for York University in Toronto. Has been a really, you know, hilarious guest on a couple of really good podcasts. I love when she was on 
uh, both Puck Soup and uh, the Athletic podcast. And she worked briefly for the Athletic as well. Mm-hmm. She also was the co-host of the Staff and Graph podcast for the Hockey News. It's really funny because Mike Stevens, her co-host on Staff and Graph, introduced her every week as the future first female NHL GM. Mm-hmm. And she's climbing the ladder already. And right. So, you know, big first step in that direction. or I mean, not first step, big next step in that direction. Yeah. And so she is known as a brilliant hockey analyst and mm-hmm. her big thing and also kind of the Staff and Graph. If you're not familiar with Staff and Graph, it's a pretty solid podcast. It's really interesting. Um, but they talk a lot about how you're making the salad of an NHL team okay. and how the analogy is like the lettuce is the eye test and then like the dressing is analytics and then and don't pay a ton of money for Nick Felino croutons. Yes. Yeah. And then like the accoutrement of the salad is like everything that you pull together, like the 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 middle of the of that and, and that you and- need both of those things. You can't rely on any one thing in order to have a successful hockey team you have to rely on both and so like her being hired is considered a bit of a coup actually she had offers from several nhl teams oh really yeah and so she said you know after talking to jim rutherford and hearing his vision for where the canucks are going to go and the role that she was stepping into she was sold but also that jim rutherford has a history of kind of family tree of Mm. other gms that have sprouted out from his tutelage and so wanting to go in that route working for jim rutherford has a lot of perks to it and so she was sold and she was like i i love vancouver already so (laughs) kudos to her congratulations to her we have another big hire here yeah and i apologize for just completely filleting a french canadian name you said it right yeah but i'm gonna say it with the accent and that just feels weird so just tone down the accent and then 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 that's fine well not like not that accent but like you have to say it with like that french inflection and i hate it when people like giada de laurentis whenever she says like mozzarella she'll be like hi i'm here today with bobby (laughs) flay and i'm cooking with mozzarella and i'm like knock it off like fucking stop it (laughs) we get it it's an italian word emily castanguay is or castanguay probably castanguay i don't know yeah i mean i I, i don't know Emily Kassengway, I think. Uh, yes. C-A-S-T-O-N-G-U-A-Y. Yeah, is the uh, new assistant GM in Vancouver to Jim Rutherford. Kassengway uh, uh, is famous as being the only female certified NHL agent. She famously also is, was, now, is the former agent for Alexi Lafreniere and Marie-Philippe Poulin. Yeah, and- I really want to know. She's the second agent that's flipped to become a front office person in so many days. Like what do those phone calls sound like when you have to break up with your client because you've taken a job and you can't represent them anymore. You're you actually like going on the other side. Like, yeah. Contractually, you're not legal. Right. Is that like what it feels like to go from the USDA directly to monsanto and like still know the same people no they're in the same bed um <laughs> that's i mean can you imagine uh, if, if she was still lafreniere's agent and was like negotiating for him like with dallas while also you know, the agm in vancouver <laughs> we're so fucking like corrupt now in public <laughs> like i 
would not even blink if that happened. <laughs> Both of these hires are monumental. Like they they are absolutely 100% positive outcomes of these respective job searches. They are both incredibly qualified women. Yeah. But, so like, it's not just, Hey, I'm going to hire women. It's look at these incredibly qualified women. I'm going to hire them because they're incredibly qualified. Right. Not because they're women. They put in the work to get to this place. Right. And, and have like bigger futures ahead of them. Both yeah. of them. You know, I would not hesitate to see both of them be the next future GM. Exactly. And, you know, becoming an AGM is usually the next step towards becoming the GM. Right. We know that Rutherford is not there long-term. The whole no. plan is for him to come in, write the ship and create a succession plan. And the plan is for the NHL to then create a reality TV show around his succession plan in which he kind of it's like the show succession mm. and uh there's you know several agms all infighting over one position and uh that this is the next gary bettman plan to grow the game as long as it's not like love island it's super amazing to have not one but two women get hired in these positions in which they are usually like almost universally not hired in the mm -hmm. nhl this is a massive step. We don't want to undersell it at all. Uh, the next step is make get, let's get some female GMs. Like mm -hmm. let's get some. One of the two of them wins the succession show. Yeah, uh, but like only if it's like a sharks versus the jets kind of finale. Um, <laughs> and then you know let's it'll be Jim in. Rutherford with a rose. Ooh, but it'll be like in Canucks colors. I'd watch that. Uh, Let's get some uh, some voices of color in uh, yes, some management positions. Uh, That's the next big step. Yeah, this is an amazing step. And what do we do when we get one step? We want more. So mm -hmm. give us more steps, NHL. Give us more steps in the right direction, not yeah. in the wrong direction. Not like my you know mental health, which is like one step forward, two steps back. That like damn right, Paula Abdul. <laughs> We've got one more really good story. Then we're going to get to some crumb bum stuff here for a little bit. And then we're going to get back to good, funny stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but, we'll make fun of everything more or less. Well, equally, yeah. but. well um, in the, in, in a story that should hit you right in the feels, Willie O'Ree's number 22 was retired by the Boston Bruins on the 18th of January. How monumental, how incredible of an evening was this? Mm -hmm. to see the first black man to play for an NHL team, to skate on NHL ice honored in this way. Now let's, we'll put aside the fact that it's way overdue. Mm -hmm. We'll put aside the fact that partially overdue just because of COVID. Yeah. They, I mean, they tried to do it last year, but couldn't have fans in the, in attendance and decided, you know what, we're not going to do that. And then they tried it this time and Willie, couldn't attend in person, even though they had some fans far from ideal, but you know, he's getting old and this just, they needed to make it happen. Yeah. And better to do it while somebody is still with us than to not do it mm -hmm. at all. And, you know, most importantly did in front of fans, huge standing ovation. People were super stoked to see the number 22 go up into the rafters and it, you know, was just as powerful as it had, as it would have been if had he been there. 
Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like this number is up there with Eddie Shore, Phil Esposito, Cam Neely, Bobby Orr. Like, right. It's joining some legendary hockey players. And while, you know, you might look at Willie O'Ree's NHL stats and not think that he actually won, he had a hell of a career outside of the NHL putting mm-hmm. up right. tons he, of points. He played in other thousands leagues. upon thousands of games of yeah. professional hockey, just only briefly breaking into the NHL. Yeah. The point here is that his impact on hockey is just as great as those other great names. Absolutely. For different reasons. And the if not greater we're both americans we know that you know this podcast is listened to a lot of places but you know we as americans have this affinity for jackie robinson for breaking the color barrier in baseball Mm -hmm. and rightfully so um you know incredible baseball player incredible human to put up with what he did and to remember remind himself every day that he has been given this platform to do good and has to like live up to that platform for Willie O'Ree, hockey, of course, not a quote unquote American sport. It's not baseball to mm-hmm. Americans. It's it's better. It, it's way better. Yeah. I was actually very good at baseball and played one season of hockey and was like, I'm never playing baseball <laughs> again. That shit's so slow. What I'm trying to say here is that, you know, he's joining this list of all time hockey greats. Mm hmm. And deservedly so. Absolutely. The impact that he had as some as the man who broke that color barrier for black people in the NHL, but also the work that he has done as a humanitarian, as an ambassador of the game, right. trying to grow hockey in communities of color, both in the United States and Canada. His 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 impact on the sport will be felt literally for generations. After he was in the league and and retired from hockey, he's been a tireless advocate ever since. And I think half the award that is given to him is for that. He did, you know, he probably still have his number in the rafters if he didn't do that. He didn't have to do that. But we're endlessly glad that he did, that he decided to be such a powerful and hardworking advocate for players of color in hockey. You can't say enough about the guy. I really want to advocate for like taking the next step and retiring his number league wide. Yeah. Who's going to be upset? Dino Cicerelli. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They went through it on puck soup and actually there were more 22s than I expected, you know, just make it one of those agent things and there won't be any new 22s. I think it would give an opportunity to award him again, maybe in person after COVID, you know, really do the spectacle the way you wanted. But I think that's just something that should be done regardless. Much like the hiring of Rachel Dory and Emily Castanguay, much like those hirings are huge for the future of hockey, Willie O'Ree playing for the Boston Bruins and the work that he has done since then has been massive for the history of hockey. But as I said earlier, will continue to pay dividends for decades, if not longer, to come as we see more and more people of color get into hockey, both at the, you know, might level and in the NHL, you can't take the next step without taking the first step. And Willie O'Ree was that first step for black folks in hockey in the NHL. And it's really awesome that 
he's finally getting some of the recognition that he is is so well deserved. Congratulations to him. Number in the rafters forever. Let's make it league wide. So now we're going to change gears to why Willie O'Ree is so important. Yeah. Why we're pissy. Because of like the next three or so stories that we're going to talk about. So uh, the the reason Willie O'Ree and stories like his are so important to hockey, sport in general, society in general, but hockey specifically here is because there's been a shit ton of racism the last couple of weeks in hockey. Yeah. Uh, Lots of incidents. Uh, It's gotten the hockey community pretty riled up. I'd say very uh, prominent. Yeah. Like racism in hockey is omnipresent, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like racism in society is omnipresent. However, we've seen like some very high profile incidents that happen to have all either been on broadcast television or immediately made their way to the internet right because people were filming Mm -hmm. and uh turns out everybody's got a video uh, camera on their phone now so you can't hide racists i'm very thankful for that uh because we have access to indisputable proof Mm -hmm. and it's no longer rumors it's no you know it can't hide as easily as it's hid before. Uh, in the case of Jacob Panetta, it's really trying to hide. Well, uh, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, I, I, the first one I guess we'll talk about is uh, another name I'm going to... Christoph Hrabik. Hrabik. Uh, he imitated the movements of a monkey in a taunt towards Boca Imama of the Tucson Roadrunners in an AHL game, uh, Hrabik, who uh, plays for the San Jose Barracuda, um, which is the Sharks AHL team. Um, the <sighs> Supposedly, the taunt was spotted by players on the bench, and they responded, and then Imama realized what had happened, mm. and he tried to go after Hrabik. Um It's <sighs> like... I, I'm just so tired of hearing about this shit. Right. But it's one of those sea change things that is going to be a fever before it's going to be a cure. And so, you know, we need to honor the story the best we can and tell people what happened the best we can so that we, they know what's going on. Um, yeah. Uh Hrabik's uh, response was that the gesture was made in the heat of battle. Um, guess what? <laughs> it's a sport. You show, it's not battle. Well, first off, yeah, war analogies in sports are fucking stupid. Um, but like, like, sorry, like the Taliban wasn't shooting at your position on the ice. Like <laughs> you yeah. were playing hockey. Um, the secondly, you show in moments of intensity, you show your true self, right? A false self doesn't come to the surface in the, in the the quote unquote heat of battle. You return to your most base instincts Mm -hmm. in the heat of battle because you are like super high on adrenaline. And also you're running off of like your, like your most like, 
like the instantaneous, like you are required to have instantaneous reactions to things and your instantaneous Mm -hmm. reactions are the things that are most like most uh, embedded in your psychosis, most embedded in your personality. Like whether that is quick twitch athleticism or you're responding to an incident with a black hockey player by acting like an ape. The, You, yeah. do, you don't you don't become somebody different in the heat of battle. You show exactly who you are. Correct. And in the quote unquote heat of heat of battle, you know, the uh Christoph Robic went racist. Went like and like not even like ambiguously subtly racist, racist yeah. like extremely obviously racist. And like for him to say, I didn't mean anything racist by what I did. I realize now through my own ignorance, how my gesture could be interpreted. Fuck off. He paid a lot of money to an agent for that. That like, that, that is some slippery PR speak. Are like, are we supposed to actually believe this? Is there somebody out there who's like, well, he's apologized. Fuck you. Fuck you too. Like, no, like, like I, I realize I say fuck a lot on this podcast, but like, that's my reaction here. Like, well, no, 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 no. It's almost like too perfect a reaction. Like he, he's almost like too trite. It, it, you know, he has to do some stuff to get back into the league, which is novel. I want to hear him read his apology in the voice of a terrified Southern gentleman. <laughs> I am a gassed at my own actions and i do declare that i will try better to hold myself to the standards of this fine institution so speaking of holding himself to the standards he will uh have a chance to work with the nhl's player inclusion committee because this happened in the ahl uh which is run by the nhl executive kim davis and uh, P.K. Subban is involved. Anson Carter is involved. You know, it, he's going to have to do some work to get back into the AHL. And I applaud the AHL for taking such a hard stance and for, uh, you know, ba- both applying the the carrot and the stick in order to get him to do what they want. Um, we'll see what he... Who, what he says when he's coming through and out of this program. And if he makes it back, you know, time will tell, but it, this sucks. And, uh, it's, I guess that the league reacted in such a way very quickly. That's maybe the novel thing to me. Um, if the NHL was faced with a similar scenario, I doubt they would be able to act as swiftly. So it, or would want to, right? You know, it, this is a little bit of like aggressive advocacy happening from the AHL, which I think is in, very interesting because, yeah. like, I don't know, you know, they're a little bit under the radar. They can do what they want or what they feel like they have to in the scenario, and they've acted quite accordingly. Thirty games—that's not nothing, especially if you're an AHL player, like trying to make your 
life in hockey. Um, so yeah, I would like this to have the happiest ending possible. And this, you know, new, perhaps this guy can turn another leaf and become an advocate where he once was offensive. Like that would be great, but that's asking for a lot. So I, I do really appreciate the response from the sharks who are the NHL, uh, parent of the Barracuda saying, you know, while we support the ability for individuals to atone and learn from disrespectful incidents, these actions are in direct opposition to the Barracuda and sharks organization's Mm -hmm. values. It's a really important statement because it does say like, does this player deserve a second chance? Yes. Should it be in the AHL? Maybe not. I think that people should be judged by how they respond to the the mm-hmm. crises that they create. So obviously Christoph Rabbit has done a horrible thing. How does he respond to that? If he responds by doing nothing and learning nothing, then he should be rightfully judged and discarded. But mm-hmm. if he responds with actual genuine rehabilitation, with learning, with engaging in the conversations that need to be had, then yeah, let's let's bring him back in. Like like let's give him another shot because if somebody like actually genuinely tries to better themselves after realizing a fault in themselves, mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the most genuine things that we can do as humans is realize our faults and evolve from them. Right. And show other people that are in similar situations a path forward. Yes. And we hope it gets to that. Also, kind of like maybe the worst part of this is like this isn't the first time that this has happened Absolutely to Boko Imama. He had a racist incident against him in an AHL game in January 2020, but he also spoke up about the incident in the Ukrainian league. He was one of the people first people that spoke out about it that like that and his quotes were taken up by the media mm-hmm. when report the hockey media when reporting about this incident. This the fact that this isn't the first time this has happened to him in such a public way like you know we we've watched the hockey diversity alliance commercial Mm -hmm. we've listened to stories of black folks and bipoc community hockey community members it just reinforces how important all of those things are and how important it is to keep honoring willie o'ree repeatedly uh because you know we need to send the message that hockey really is for everyone and hockey isn't for everyone until it's for everyone exactly and it it needs to be you know said loud far and wide that racism in hockey is not going to be tolerated and it's going to be dealt with very strongly and until we can get you know better actions from every level of hockey every league in every level of hockey we're not going to stop yeah i don't know how to transition to the suban thing well i i i <laughs> I don't know if we need to transition because it's the same fucking thing, right? Like it's, it's just like similar story. Another, it's actually the exact same gesture. Well, I I think it's assumed to be the same gesture. A lot of people are retconning and saying, uh, he was doing something else. And no, he was doing, making a, a monkey gesture. Yes. And again, it was like what he said and what 
the context and watching it, it absolutely is what people saw and, and say it is. It's not something. It's not something else. It's not the Tom Wilson strongman. Blah blah blah. No, it, it no, was a when you and, when you age, hunch yeah. over like a, and say something that gets the guy to turn around and pay attention to you making yeah. the racist gesture. It's not like he said, "Oh yeah, you think you're so tough." Right. And that's why Jordan Suban turned around. Come on, bud. Yeah. Uh, so, we're talking about this incident between Jordan Suban and Jacob Panetta in the ECHL. It's on ice. It's filmed with a shaky hand camera. Uh, we have sort of a, a bad Sapruder film to go off of, but it's pretty clear at one point that this Jacob Panetta uh, already... That's a bad sounding name. <laughs> it sounds like a shitty gun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me go get my Panetta and we'll go take out Tony. <laughs> right. It's like, or it's like a terrible sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the bottom of the, the shitty sandwich place. <laughs> like, well, we got a, we got a Panetta. Uh, well, I was hoping for a panini. Uh, how much you got? Uh, like six bucks. Oh, you can't afford a panini, but we got a panetta. <laughs> what do you put on the panetta? Uh, mustard. That's what? it. Is it good mustard? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that Anyways. was gold. That was fucking gold. Uh, I, uh, so we were trying to not make fun of people's names more, but. So this was a game between the Jacksonville Icemen and the South Carolina Stingrays in the ECHL. Jacob Panetta played for the Jacksonville Icemen, who has now been indefinitely, indefinitely, indefinitely suspended by the ECHL. Definitely indefinitely suspended. Yeah, it, it formally played for is the, uh, that's the good news, I guess, in this scenario, is yeah. that his team and league have also come down heavily and not left any room for ambiguity uh his video apology has sort of fallen on skeptical and deaf ears uh you know again good for him to realize that he got caught with his pants down making a racist gesture but defending yourself on video is not exactly what the hockey world wants to see right now they just want to hear some contrition and you know you'll do better with the next opportunity you're probably likely given i love that panetta's reaction was that i see after the fact that jordan's reaction was because he viewed it as a racial gesture i'm like really you think he went fucking ballistic because you made a tough guy gesture to him no that's not what causes people to go right that kind of ballistic because Jordan Subban goes full haymaker. Yeah. And also getting called tough guy on the ice is like, that's so background and if par for the course. If someone says, Hey, tough guy. Like, I don't it doesn't even register. If somebody calls me a tough guy, I'm like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. Right. It's like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> somebody like, actually thinks I'm yeah, tough. Wow. I intimidated you enough. Cool. Oh, man, I'm going to go home and tell my wife about that one. Yeah. She'll be so proud. And she'll be like, you're not so tough. This whole incident, just like the incident in the AHL, the response, the the apology from the player is total bullshit. Like, right. But the league shows that maybe we're learning. Uh, maybe. maybe. The teams, maybe. Maybe we're learning. Yes, maybe. Yeah, As we said, the Jacksonville Icemen released 
immediately Jacob Panetta, the yeah, ECHL. Yeah, they didn't even deal with a suspension. They're just like, bye. I love uh, Jordan Subban's retweet of the Jacksonville Iceman tweet that says overtime began with a rough fight resulting in multiple penalties on both sides and jordan suban retweeted and said more like at jacob panetta was too much of a coward to fight me and as soon as i began to turn my back he started making monkey gestures at me so i punched him in the face multiple times and he turtled like the coward that he is there fixed it Mike drop. Wow. Way to throw it on social media. That's way up there with the Brady Kachuk. Absolutely. uh, Except this time it's way better. Again, I believe in second chances. I believe that people can rehabilitate themselves, but that second chance doesn't need to be at the level at you that you were at once at. Yeah, it should be a show me chance. You should have to justify the fact that maybe someone is willing to take a chance on you after some of these incidents. Yeah. You know, it, it. a lot of times these guys were guaranteed second chances because, well, you know, keep your mouth shut. Because they don't white. say anything. Right. To see a sea change from that to a show me second chance, that would be a big, big step up. You know, I don't think this is across the board. I don't think this proves anything, but it's nice to see in both of these incidents, the authorities or one of the authorities come down hard. So PK Subban is the older brother of mm-hmm. Jordan Subban. Poor Malcolm is actually in the middle. Do you think that was their favorite show growing up? Well, uh, not everybody, his. Everybody else's favorite show. So uh, PK Subban, as soon as he heard about this, immediately jumped on social media and gave a press conference. He his tweet was. Uh, they don't call the East Coast League the jungle because my brother and the other black players are the monkeys. Hey, Jacob Panetta, you shouldn't be so quick to delete your Twitter or your Instagram account. You will probably be able to play again. That's what history says. Nah. Followed that up with, but things are changing now. Jo- not just the hockey world knows your true colors. Your ho- hometown of Belleville knows your family and friends know you're a fraud. With everything that has gone on in the past couple of years in the world, I'll say with all due respect to everyone who has an opinion, this isn't a mistake. We all know what's okay and what's not. Even your own teammate wanted to see you get your clock cleaned. This happens a lot and it never gets exposed in the lower links. Talk about a testament. That's that's some hard-earned truth right there for all of us to see. Jalen Smerik, who was the black player in the Ukrainian league, who mm-hmm. had the what was it? He the other the Andre Deniskin like pretended to eat a banana in front of him. I believe was okay. the incident. Um, Smerik reacted to it to this incident as well, saying it's the first month of 2022, and there's already been two racial gestures in the second and third highest leagues in North America. Just think about how many are happening at the youth level to young kids that we don't see or ever know about because the game isn't being recorded. Right. And we've highlighted, you know, a handful of issues in like the Prince Edward Island lower leagues. And like we're getting to a point where it's going to be a fever. There will be more incidents exposed until this thinking is really cast away with and buried. We can only hope that the incidents are as few as possible and that they are as as easily overcome by the victims as possible. Yeah, I fear and think that, you know, we're just going to see more incidents of racism and not less in the coming years as there is a real reckoning at all levels 
with result to all of this? We are one small component of a much larger like armada of folks mm-hmm. asking for and fighting for and pleading for change in the culture of hockey. If hockey thinks this is going away, which they obviously do, like the NHL very clearly thinks this sort of shit is going away. I, I think some people have gotten real and realize it's not. But yeah, well, by and large, not the like, you know, administration of the league. Right. If they think this is going away, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And this isn't something that hockey can wait out. This isn't right. something that hockey can sweep under the rug. This is it's time for change in the sport that we love. And I'm very disgusted by these incidents, but very thankful for the coverage that they've received. Yeah. Enough people in the crowd obviously saw what was going on and said, this is wrong. I'm going to film it. That it's gotten the attention that it has. That is novel. We got to recognize that. And that it's had the reaction that it deserves is novel and we got to recognize that and both of those are points of progress are they sad points of progress absolutely but once again hockey's learning we're learning slowly sucks it's in fits and starts and and it's gonna get probably messier again before it gets better and you know what honestly amen to it getting messier like Let's get dirty. Let's get, as Black Girl Hockey Club says, let's get uncomfortable. Absolutely. And let's have the conversations that need to be had so we can affect change from the ground up in hockey and make it a more equitable, a more accepting, a more close-knit community than it is. Right now, it's a close-knit community for white folks. Let's make it a close-knit community because hockey is... Like it's a brotherhood. Yeah, like, that's one of the reasons that a people people like the sport and like you know playing the sport for years after they've had an opportunity to do so competitively. It's because it's it has its own kind of social structures, and those stro- social structures need to be more inclusive and diverse at every level. So yeah, to see some leagues take some big positions on this, uh, to see a team jettison a player after one incident without really like. Even completing the review. Yeah. Like the official review. Like, I, I think the video speaks for itself here, but like. Right. And, yeah. you know, for maybe if they were a different company or maybe they will get into hot water over not completing an investigation. Due process. Yeah. To see, you know, the teams and the leagues take such a powerful stance so quickly is good in the long run. Yeah. yeah I'm just. Really, we've been fucking put on out talking about Reed Boucher. Uh, because, well, he For sucks. good reason. Yeah, it, it, he abused his billet family's daughter. Yeah, Reed Boucher, what a fucking turd. I mean, we'll start off yeah. with that. So um, sexually abused his billet family daughter, uh, age was 12, 12, when yeah. he was 17. Basically did the whole, like, I have power over you. He did the Brad Aldrich, basically. Oh, classic power dynamics and sexual abuse. You yeah. don't say. No way. Yeah. The story is harrowing. It's hard to deal with, hard to take. But, you know, in reality, he went unchecked for a very long time. There was probably smoke. There was probably fire. And this woman started trotting out her allegations only like three years after the fact. So that he has gone 
completely maybe you know him washing out eventually from professional hockey is you know shows somebody new but well, he's playing in the fucking KHL. He's playing in the second best league in the world. And then you mean also the league where uh, all of the detritus that's gotten canceled for good reason out of the NHL goes. Yeah, it's about to be Jake for Tannen's league. But like, <laughs> right, um, exactly. You know, it, that he's still playing in the KHL is telling. The really shitty thing. Well, okay. Not the really shitty. Everything about this sh- is shitty, including Reed Boucher. Right. Another layer um, that I haven't addressed yet. He did this to multiple women. Well, the sexual assault has only been proven with one woman. Right. Allegedly. There, there are, was more smoke and fire. There's an article in The Athletic from Katie Strang that details his attempts to solicit nude photos from underage women. I, I don't want to generalize all sexual assault and all sexual Correct. deviancy Correct. as I don't want to say that everybody is a habitual offender. Right. But very frequently they are. Like we should not equate what Reed Boucher and say Logan Mayo are accused of doing. Right. Or did. You know, what Reed Boucher did is obviously exponentially worse. So all of that is shitty. What I find personally to be maybe the shittiest is that the state of Michigan offered Reed Boucher a plea deal. And they offered him a plea deal under a, a, a law in Michigan that is the Holmes Youthful Trainee Act that allows for reduced sentencing for minors given ability right. to rehabilitate. Because he was a minor when he committed this crime and was a minor... I'm guessing he was a minor when he he uh, solicited other nudes. He as wasn't. He when was he not. He was minor. soliciting nudes okay. from so other he just did from not minors. Get, so he didn't get caught yes. for that. Those are those are allegations. Right. Uh, right. The women who have made the allegations have shared text messages with the athletics. So we're saying allegations and scare quotes here. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's proof, but they are just allegations. In this case, he's been convicted. But he was offered a plea deal to not face jail time. All right. Wow. Which Fancy that you would take that. Is huh? fucking the charge. His uh, he he was under like first degree sexual assault charges, which is twenty five mm-hmm. years to life. And now he might not go to jail at all for sexually assaulting a twelve year old. And we said earlier using that power dynamic against this woman this well the girl at the time to you know discourage her from reporting this incident right and she later reported it when her life went off the rails because of consequences from it but it was only three years later reed was on the u.s development team Mm -hmm. at the time usa hockey went in interviewed the parents no accusations were made when they spoke to both parents but their parents were clueless yeah but boucher was removed from the from house. the billet home. And that didn't, I mean, apparently did not stop him. It's galling. Like, it's it's gut, or like, it, it's, it's a knife in the fucking spine that this human shitbag <laughs> might not face any jail time for sexually assaulting a 12-year-old. That is unconscionable. Yeah, like, that's completely, like... 
I won't say his name, but the Stanford swimmer rules. Yeah. You know, uh, Ooh, yeah, exactly. White people, sports, uh, sentencing. Preppy sports. Right. You know, it, it's a story that's been told a million fucking times. It's bullshit. I'm struggling to talk here because, like, I think in my head about the survivor here. That's why we took a break before doing this. Yeah. I think about this young woman whose life was irrevocably altered entirely in the negative by Reed Boucher's actions. And I think about what this message sends to her and what this message sends to other survivors of sexual assault. When we say that their pain, their suffering, the just complete degradation of their character that happens when somebody is sexually assaulting them Mm -hmm. like the mental toil the physical toil the just like complete and utter upending of a human life is worth nothing right and often happens in the hockey media you know they're meant to have a, a second wounding yeah, and exactly. It, it, like, and that's that's the other thing. Like this this woman said, you know, like she has dealt with severe trauma, self harm, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. This is a life that was irrevocably harmed by Reed Boucher's actions. Her quote is: "I feel like a lot of the progress I've made over the last ten years has been undone because she now has to watch her assailant." get convicted of heinous crimes and then get out without and still pay no penalty whatsoever. It's a bastardization. It's a, it's a complete defeat of justice Mm -hmm. is what it is. Once again, validates misogyny and the power of masculinity in this country over women, the domination of women. It once again, validates that we do not talk about we do not believe we do not endear ourselves to survivors of sexual assault Mm -hmm. it once again proves that we do not even remotely as a society care about like what this says is we don't fucking care we care enough to slap a label an artificial label on this guy who lives in russia now Mm -hmm. But we don't care enough to send him to jail for sexually assaulting a 12-year-old girl. I'm an English major with a (laughs) relatively large vocabulary, and I don't have the words to describe my disgust, my anger. Like, this is my home state. I love the state of Michigan. I love being from Michigan. I love being a Michigander. But fuck this. this, It's an absolute miscarriage of justice. It's I an abomination. A- anybody would say, you know, it, same with the whole Stanford swimmer bullshit. Uh, it, but this involves the abuse of children. And where the hell is the hashtag save the children crusade? Those fuckers don't show up when it actually counts. There are victims advocates in Michigan who are fighting to try and get this decision reversed the michigan coalition to end domestic and sexual violence is advocating tirelessly in an effort to reverse this decision Mm -hmm. if at all possible and it sounds like the judge in this case actually has some leeway to reverse this plea deal 
And that has to happen uh, within the next five days by January nope. 31st. I, ju- I just really want to advocate. And I know we have like 20 to 50 listeners <laughs> each week. So like whatever. And like maybe one of them is in Michigan, despite right. my entire family living in Michigan. <laughs> but like think about the precedent that is set. Because every court yeah. case is a precedent, right? Right. And if the precedent is set here that somebody and and like, not that this precedent hasn't always been set, but like that it is more entrenched and more in carved in stone Mm -hmm. by this result. Think of future victims that are, they see this and they say, well, why would I report this? Well, and the victim in this case was, Inspired to report this case after seeing other cases reported in hockey. We can't underscore enough the courage of this person, this woman to, you know, take her story and run with it and and make it known to everyone now. Because no doubt she's suffered a lot and she's going to continue to suffer because of her bravery. But like she'll suffer for the rest of her life. Yeah, no doubt. Because of this. Hopefully this helps to maybe alleviate some of her suffering in that seeing the stories coming out and maybe just maybe in the next five days, like this sentence will be changed because that's one of the ways that, you know, rape culture hurts victims. It's in sentencing. You know, you can, you can get the conviction and then the sentence is just absolute bullshit. No, three months. Right. You know, just, Home arrest. Right. We're seeing just gross miscarriages of justice across the spectrum at every level in every case type in America right now. And that's part of what's making America come apart at the seams is the fact that we don't feel like we can trust law enforcement. And we don't like feel like we can trust judges. And so, yeah, I would implore the judge in this case to actually make this this guy served some jail time and, and really hammer home the fact that sexual assault in that age gap is not okay. And you know, sexual assault in any age gap is right. not okay. But the se- but but seven, especially but 17 to 12 is, is huge. Yeah. But it's an age gap that the law struggles to account for at one point. This would have been legal in a lot of America. And that's not right because that, I mean, you know, five years, if you're our age, not that big a deal. If you're their age, huge deal. The law is struggling to to account for this very uh, deep biological difference. And I think that's important to recognize. And, you know, if we're lucky, positive things come out of this. Right. Like maybe Michigan goes, oh, fuck, that's a terrible application of this law. We should change it. Uh, The law that they are enacting in order to get Reed Boucher no jail time should not have applied to him in any way, shape or form as well. Like, that's the other thing is like he shouldn't have been allowed to use this law. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it sounds like a a full on. It's kangaroo court scenario. It's a fucking abomination is what it is. And so, like we said, the judge in this case has until the 31st to 
decide sentencing. And hopefully the judge in this case goes, you know what? This is some bullshit and throws the book at Reed Boucher because the book needs to be thrown. Like, let's hope that if in this case, Reed Boucher doesn't go to jail for a very long time like he should. Let's hope that enough people see that and go, that's fucked up. Let's change this. Yeah, let's hope he and goes to so jail that, uh, for some, sometime. Yeah, yes, like, just I mean, any, like fucking any time. Let's absolutely hope that he goes to jail, but... Prison. We, we're saying jail colloquially. Yeah. We want him to go to prison. Let's stop talking about Reed Boucher, because this fuckhead doesn't right. deserve any more of our time. You know, the, the there are many uh, court cases that are of grave importance to people across America. What we're also paying a lot of attention to is the court of public opinion in Edmonton. Because, well, that's what hockey hinges on as well. And uh, every Canadian team. Not every Canadian team features a Hockey Hall of Fame reporter, Jim Matheson, that uh, takes to task or at least attempts to take to task his uh, one of all world star players uh, and then gives him shit for not being angry enough. Yeah, like, okay. So first, let's just get this out. So this reporter pressed Leon Dreisaitl in an interview, a post-game interview. Set him up first and then pressed him. To, like, be mad. Right. And, like, show emotion. Because that's what this reporter wanted. Yeah. He won. He just... I don't even think he's one of the bit. hinges on. But I also think, like... As a fan, like, okay, that's part of what makes the Edmonton media so special is all these dudes are just hardcore fucking fanboys. Like, if you fuck with their team, it's like you are unwriting a piece of Star Wars. And, like... I, there are many parts of Star Wars that I wish could be unwritten. Okay, the original. The 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 original trilogy. Like A New Hope. Oh, okay. Ken Holland is, is Star Wars uh, uh, sequels. Ken Holland is fucking Jar Jar Binks. Like... Chirelli was Star Wars prequels. Star Wars prequels were like stupid, but like you can sort of see where they were going. Star the Wars, Star Wars was, sequels make no fucking sense. The first one was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And Star that's Wars my, episode one is one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen. It's actually, that's my favorite of the prequels. Cause it's so well, fucking fun. And also the pod racer game. Yeah. Well, yeah, the pod racer, the like pod Nintendo racer 64 game was, was so good. It was great. It's <laughs> such a good game. I completely agree. Yeah, so Leon Dreisaitl, like, was just very upset because, one, his team sucks, mm-hmm. uh, despite having two of the three best players in the world on it. Uh, can't sign a goalie or a defenseman that's <laughs> worth a shit. Um, yeah. And, you know, just the idea that this reporter is going to, A like try and goad Leon Dreisaitl into talking shit about management, like the management that's paying him like eight and a half million dollars a year to play hockey. If he was going for management, that was a fucking epic fail. Yeah. Everything. Well, that's what he's he was trying to get. No, He was trying to go after coaching. I think what he was talking about. It, it, I don't know. Yeah. The words that, that I, well, like it, it's like, it's something that Leon Dreisaitl and no other hockey player can actually impact right and so like the idea that he's like trying to get a professional to be unprofessional 
especially hockey players who are notoriously boring, <laughs> uh, uh, like in both bad and good ways. Like, right. Like the fact that he's trying to do this is just kind of repugnant in, in a it lot is. of ways. It like, made him seem stupid to me. Seemed like a badgering butthole. Like, like is this, is, I can be a hall, hockey hall of famer too. If this fucker can ask stupid questions like that. Yeah. Like, uh, so, and as much as we like shit on hockey players for being kind of boring, like, Part of that is because the hockey media is fucking boring. <laughs> so bring it back to one of the uh, protagonists and from the early part of the episode. Rachel Dory had an awesome comment about this. And it was, there are two types of German people. Outwardly angry German people and inwardly angry German people. <laughs> and uh, thank God for all of us that Leon Dreisaitl is an inwardly angry German people, person because like, you could see him just fucking seething laser beams at Jim Madison and also just like being like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm going to say words and get off the stage. And I can't wait to find out which one Moritz Sider is. Ah, oh, uh, uh, it, judging by his checks, uh, I'm going to say outwardly angry. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, so props to her for making a great, great play there and but, pop, uh, props to leon dreisaitl for just not putting up with this fucking at all he was like exactly. i will answer your question you can just like die in a fire like he was exactly so clearly fanboy fuck off yeah i'm the one doing the actual work here uh yeah he, so that's the portion of the episode that we are pissy about uh now we can transition to fun things yeah fun things um Speaking of fun things, uh, the Red Wings claimed uh, Jamel Smith off of waivers from the Tampa Bay Lightning, normally claiming a guy who has played, you know, some limited NHL time, mm -hmm. uh, has played largely in the NHL, was part of an all-black line with Tampa last year with Matthew Joseph and Daniel Walcott, uh, had an abdominal injury in the preseason, mm. and because of that has not played in any NHL games this year. However, uh, you know, normally this doesn't really make waves mm -hmm. like oh gosh a waiver claim of a guy who's in the nhl okay um two black brothers playing together yes that's a big deal except the red wings also have giovanni smith mm -hmm. on the roster sorry who, dude, I, I i overshot my you shot you uh, you were you blew right past the doors there uh and so now they're bringing in his brother jamel uh, i think overall the funniest thing about the red wings signing jamel or claiming Jamel was that in the introductory press conference, they had Giovanni and Jamel out together and they asked, are you excited to play together? And obviously they were like, yeah, absolutely. We're excited to play together. <laughs> no, I hate my brother. Yeah. My brother's a jerk. I'm going to hit him in my, in the nuts. Like he's like a Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best things ever. They asked Giovanni if Jamel was going to live with him. And he said, we used to have bunk beds growing up, so I don't want that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's old enough. He's probably going to stay on his own. <laughs> Which I 
was just really great. That's funny. <laughs> uh, thankfully, housing prices in Michigan are not that high, so I think they'll be all right. Yeah, it can afford a small mansion. Yeah, uh, definitely a couple of McMansions in the Smith family uh, future. Um, also in hockey news, um, and I mean, this is a player that we as a podcast have been banging the drum for. Yeah, we've stumped for him before. Since we started this podcast. Josh Hosang is going to the Olympics for Team Canada, and we could not be more thrilled. We think he's a player who has been absolutely kind of miscast mm-hmm. by NHL media and NHL types. Yeah. And NHL leadership, really. It's front offices. Yeah. And he's had a very solid season in mm-hmm. the Maple Leafs organization this year, and we're hoping that that uh, equates to a future contract for him. But he just got called up to the Olympic squad. Uh, one of the positives of the NHL players not going to the Olympics is right. we're getting some really interesting players who are being asked to be on these Olympic squads. A lot of college players mm-hmm. have been asked. Um, but since Josh Hosang is not technically part of the NHL players or is not part of the NHL, he right is now. available. Yeah, mm-hmm. right now. He's available for the Olympics, and the Canadian national team has called him up to take part in the Olympics. And which smart on them. Like as a player, he's super exciting, super creative. Like, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, we're totally thrilled to see this sort of great honor. Like, like I mean, we're both Americans, but representing Canada in hockey in the Winter Olympics. Like, I mean, it's a big deal. As far as hockey goes, I don't know how much bigger of an honor you can get. And so we're thrilled for Josh to get this uh, to get this opportunity. And honestly, I was probably not going to watch the Winter Olympics because I'm not a big Olympics guy mm-hmm. myself. Um, but knowing that Josh sure, Osang yeah. is going to be there, I will definitely at least try and catch one or two of Canada's games. I'll totally watch it for him. Oh, yeah. And like that, it's really thrilling to to. to see a player who really just got such a bad rap for no really good for reason. no reason whatsoever. Like what, he like missed one meeting. Yeah. Like, he and, wasn't and, and, super thrilled to be at a meeting. Oh no. What? Well, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, he was late to a meeting and, and got just like instantly sent right back down never to be heard from again. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the Hosangasans is on. Yeah. And, it, and, and like, I don't know. I, We've been stumped for him for a couple months now. Uh, only Hopefully, like yeah. hoping that this becomes a platform that then springboards him to even better things. Yeah, and so and the the Olympics have traditionally, when NHL players have not been involved, have been a a jumping board for some right. players. So. And hopefully, you know, we can make up for the fact that the uh, World Juniors got canned from red deer you know with some skating time for some of the some of those players at the olympics yeah so kudos and or not kudos congrats to josh hosang for making this olympic Mm -hmm. roster it's well deserved and we're thrilled to uh be able to kind of watch uh i mean kudos kudos it goes to keith yandel uh he has sort of suffered and sucked his way to 965 games as an NHL defenseman in a row. Yeah. In a row. Uh, the NHL's newest, 
uh, Iron Man. For now, for now, for now. So I talk shit about Patrick Marlowe when he broke the game's record. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Well, like, okay, Patrick Marlowe, way better at it than Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel was a very good hockey player He's for a long fine. time. He's, he, you know... Not exactly defensively responsible, but uh, well, he'll put I mean, you. He'll he, he will provide assists on a power play yeah. like nobody's business, and uh, on a Philadelphia team that is just full on tanking. Like, sure, maybe you need that. You know, he, Florida getting really fucking good. One of their last moves was jettisoning this dude. Yeah. Like, he. It, I'm not saying Keith Yandel's good now. I'm just saying he was good. No, what I'm trying to say is <laughs> Keith Yandel is one of those players that has kind of inspired analytics. If we're going to look at this this defenseman, he puts up numbers, he plays a lot. Is he good? How can we decide that? He falls on like the negative end of all those categories. <laughs> he is... Um... But he's an eye test guy, and so like so is Rasmus Ristolainen. So like that's why Philly gr- snagged him. Just it's like snagged absolutely him fucking hilarious that these two dudes ended up in the same same. Fucking uh, unless team. you're a Flyers fan, uh, uh, if you're a Flyers fan, you are not going through a lot. Yeah. Let's just say like for good right, reason. Well, your team's about to be sold off for parts. Yeah, uh, you're about to root for whoever Claude Giroux goes to. Yeah, uh, uh, hopefully it's not like Montreal. <laughs> Regardless, congrats to Keith Yandel. Kudos to him for his longevity. He hasn't been a very good player for the last couple of years, but but it takes a hell of an effort to repeatedly on a night to night basis and uh, rehab and whatnot. You know to to. Make it to 965 games, no matter how good or bad. I mean, you have to be good enough to make it to 965 games. Yeah. And he has been that. Brian Lashoff isn't making it to 965 Correct. games. Keith Handel, hell of a job. To be good enough and to take care of your body well enough and to be that consistent. Like, that is, that's consistency across tens of seasons that I can't put together across, like, weeks of working my day job so like <laughs> hats off to you bud all right we've probably spent enough time Sorry. breaking keith yandel's balls about not being that good at hockey on an nhl level anymore uh we invite him to come play roller hockey in our league uh <laughs> yeah. with us and so dominate he can everybody make me look stupid yeah. just in person speaking of breaks uh aaron dell broke drake batherson's ankle he just broke drake batherson yeah he just broke him we're we're going to end on this. Um, Drake Batherson's having a hell of a year, too. Has had an amazing year. And it's like, awful that it had to end like this with a dirty ass, just fucking... Is there is there absolutely awful just shoulder, a blindside shoulder from a goalie? Is there any more, like... It was a Bush League Awful move. It was a fucking Bush League move. It was some shit that you would see at any higher level of I'm, beer league hockey. Arundel very clearly, let's say maliciously, ends Drake Batherson's night. The hit itself isn't vicious. What's vicious I mean, about it is, it is this. Yeah, well, yes, but like, and from at, like at a, if we're comparing it to like a oh, like you're, a you're, Cronwall hit from back in the day. 
you're dissecting what part of the hit did yes. the most damage. Yeah. And what that's what's insane to me is the part of the hit that did the most damage was not him like as a goalie taking out the dude's shoulder and upper body. It was him breaking his ankle when he hit the wall yeah. at high speed. Yeah, that's that's the damage is that Drake Betherson is at almost full speed when Aaron Dell effectively sucker punches him like it with like like drake batherson thinks he has an angle to continue skating and arendelle decides that's not an acceptable thing normally you don't get checked by a goalie right and and there is a certain amount of kind of consent theory that goes into checking in hockey like boarding as a penalty, has sort of a lot to do with consent. If you are expecting to be hit versus not expecting to be hit versus the speed you are hit at, there's a lot of parallels with consent in the same way that you talk about like democracy hinges on the consent of the governed. This absolutely violates those rules. Goal, goalies in the whole spectrum, even the opposing goalie. you know, Even every, Ron Hextall was like, oh, damn. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, it was really heinous. And I didn't realize until this happened, uh, Arendelle has a history of this. Yeah. So Drake Batherson broke his ankle on this. His ankle gets caught against the boards at high speed and awful snaps. The video do not. Like, we often tell folks to like go oh, on Twitter and like watch, watch the enough. video. It didn't. I mean. Don't watch the video. It looks bad, but it's, I didn't see it. I didn't see an obvious break. Did it's it's pretty gnarly. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. I was looking more at the hit and not yeah at the, the his the like foot gets caught on the boards right. and then the rest of his body hits the boards and it's it's yeah oh it's that's like, a, uh, it's really gross and well, the the fact that Drake Batherson skated off the ice that's exactly insane. how I tore my ACL. Yeah, it makes you feel better. It doesn't make me feel better at all. I don't think it makes anybody feel better. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one of the most dangerous ways to hit the boards. Yeah. It's just like, it only happens if you get fucking cheap shot near the boards. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I think that's an in, a continually like interesting thing. We have blathered on long enough. Uh, thank you so much. We're you, are, at like, you have a heroic editing job. We're do. at like six hours on this motherfucker it's a better use of your time than uh joe rogan and uh whatever that fucking guy neil young no oh yeah the other jordan peter whatever this is a better use of time than joe rogan and jordan peterson this is a better use of my time than anything with joe rogan (laughs) thank you so much for listening to us uh we really appreciate everybody uh kind of putting up with our laissez-faire posting schedule Thank you so much for just, you know, sticking with us and uh, hopefully you enjoy what you're hearing. Um, If you are looking to interact with us in any way, shape or form outside of just listening to the podcast, you can get in touch with us multiple ways. We are at handsomehockey.com powered by WordPress. Shameless plug. Give us money. We are handsome hockey (laughs) podcast on Instagram. The WordPress billion. They probably have a lot of money at handsome hockey on Twitter or handsome hockey pod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page. We put stuff on it occasionally. Obviously, you're listening to us somewhere, but we are available at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Red Circle, YouTube, and uh, I don't know, maybe TikTok in the future. I 
will not be a part of that. And also, if you are listening to us on Spotify, maybe send them an email to say, fuck Joe Rogan, we're pro Neil Young. (laughs) If you're listening to this and you're pro Joe Rogan, don't. Um, (laughs) Anyways, we love you just the same, but we just think less of you. Everybody, this has been episode 54, Studio 54 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. Thank you again for listening and stay handsome, everybody. Disco out. Restez beau. Tout le monde. Au revoir.